Hi, welcome to Help Me Understand. We're a podcast to help close the gap of injustices and inequities by talking about current events with members of our local community. Welcome to part two of two with Mark Wick. Mark is a 30-year college hockey coach who now travels the country talking to college and high school students, businesses, and civic groups about mental health issues. His top priority is to help normalize the conversation about mental health by sharing his story. He hopes to challenge the shame, ignorance, and stigma associated with mental health. He is also a certified mental health first aid instructor. How do we reach those outliers in society who who would never even admit to being a depressed or that their anger might be hidden depression or I feel like like the organizations that we have existing are there when people are ready but how do we get people to change from the beginning like how do we prevent them from believing that's how they should be or how they should behave mm-hmm. let, let me ask you this um, back in school how when did you talk about mental health mental illness when, when I was in college and majoring in psychology. In college. Yeah. Yep. And, and when was, I chose that major. That, that was because you chose that major. Right. See, um, so you understand all this, but why aren't we, like, I talk to college students a lot. The problem doesn't start when they're in college. No. You know, we talk to high school students whenever I can, but it's not there either. It's even before that. One of the scariest statistics I see is um, the second leading cause of death is suicide in the age group 10 to 24? 10. Kids at 10 dying by suicide. Wow. Like, we're not having that conversation. Like, why don't we have that in the schools to yeah. let people know? And and right now, the, and again, I, I'm biased, um, but, but it's not even that. You know, it, you know, there's a lot of athletes out there that people look up to that have struggled. Then Serena Williams, mm-hmm. she struggled with anxiety, depression. Um, Kevin Love, um, you know, there's basketball players that are playing in the NBA that are schizophrenic, but they've got the help and they've got through that. There's TV stars, you right. know, The Rock, and I show these slides of what do you see here, you know, and these are successful business people, actresses, actors, professional athletes. What do you see there? Well, nothing. I see successful people, but They'll they'll have anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia. Okay, they can be very successful. And the more we let kids know that, hey, bipolar, that's a pretty scary diagnosis. Right. A lot of successful people that have it. Why is it so scary? You know, like cancer is scary, but if you get cancer, what do you do? You get treatment. Right. You know. So if you have this, let's not make it so scary. Like let's get help. Let kids know that, that you don't have to feel this way, you know, that, that you don't have to, um, you know, not want to do things, not want to go to school, you know, not feel proud about yourself, body image, um, you know, all this type of stuff of fitting in. And all these pressures that kids have now, we didn't have that when I was growing up. No. It, it, it's absolutely ridiculous, you know. When, when, I, when I was a kid, <laughs> um, you know, we weren't worried about when we were going to get in, what school we were going to get into. Right. Like, we'd get into a school. Now, ninth grade, 
if my grades, you know, your grades count now, you got to get your GPA up and all this type of stuff. Like, it's a lot of pressure on a ninth grader. Yeah. You know? and, and, and that comes. So not, not, only, not only do we have to talk to those young kids, but since we missed them when they were young kids, we need to talk to the parents. Yeah. I can't tell you the number of places I go and I watch kids and, and I just shake my head and like, no wonder they have trouble. Their parents are nuts. You know, the things they expect out of them. Yeah. Like, you know, it, you know whether it's an athletic game I'm at, you know, I want to say, really, you know what, I missed you. You played for what NFL team? Because you know everything here, <laughs> and you're expecting your kid to do it, and he's 14. Right. Like, cut him right. some slack. Like, we're supposed to enjoy this stuff. Right. Enjoy watching your kid. Don't put this pressure on him. Or, you know, I think sometimes the parents are more excited about what school their kid gets in than the kids are. Sure. You know, but we put all these unrealistic expectations on these kids at such a at such a young age that no wonder they maybe don't feel good enough about themselves. They don't feel like they've accomplished enough or they're not living up to somebody else's standards and stuff. So um, so the conversation right now has to go across the board. But I think back to your original point is, you know, we have to let people know that it's, it's okay to not feel okay. Yeah. But you get the help. Um, there, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Nobody's ashamed to go in and get a strep test if they have a sore throat for a week. They shouldn't be ashamed because I don't feel right. I'm not happy. We just have to change that mentality. But that comes through education and conversation. Because things we don't know about, they scare us. Sure. So we A, don't talk about them, or B, we go to the societal stereotypes. And then we throw those on people. And that's probably... 20 more episodes for you, you know, and, and, and I know you guys have covered a lot of this, you know, social injustice, racial injustice. I mean, it's the same thing there. If I don't know about this, I'm going to revert to what I've heard sure. or what I've seen. I took a leave from my team. I stepped away in 2015 because after an incident at the end of the month, the season was still going on. I saw a psychiatrist. I saw a therapist. Um, I was moving forward. I was feeling really good. My, my doctor... My therapist said, best thing for you is to go back to work. And there was, you know, going into playoffs. And I went in at the athletic director and I said, you know what? I'm going back. Well, geez, you think that's a good idea, blah, blah, blah. You know, but again, how can it change? If you break your leg, how do you know when you're ready? You take an x-ray. Right. This thing, how do you know you're ready? Right. Can't prove it, right? And how can you be better in this time, right? So they don't understand it. So now... Okay, okay, I guess. I laid out all the stuff. I get a call a week later. It says, you can't come back. I said, well, FMLA says I can. So, well, I had to go in. I had a meeting with the athletic director. I'll never forget the meeting with the athletic director and the vice president. And they said, hey, Mark, um, we have to, we can't let you come back because we have to protect the institution. Okay. So what message was that to me? Like, I... I'm, to them, I'm the most dangerous guy in the country right now, right? Right. A middle-aged white guy with mental illness. Yeah. Like, we're the guys that go in places and shoot them up. Right. I agree those people are scary, but I was a middle-aged white guy that had treated mental illness. Sure. I was a heck of a lot more dangerous two weeks ago when you didn't even know it. <laughs> right. Like, at that point, For I real. could have snapped and gone after somebody. But now, boy, I'm better than I ever have been. Sure. But... They didn't understand it. So what do they revert to? Societal pressures. Like, yeah. I'm labeled as this guy that 
he's dangerous. Yeah. We have to protect the school. Yeah. Well, I, it really bothered me for a while. Then I realized, you know what? It's an education piece. They don't get it. So I can be mad at them, but let's try to educate people and let them know that just because I have depression doesn't mean I'm scary. Right. Not, neither does it for other people either. You know, just because somebody looks a certain way doesn't mean they're scary. Right. You know, I, but, if, but if we're not educated and that's what we revert to, then we put ourselves in some situations that aren't very good. And we see things that happen that, um, you know, that we don't want to. And, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of these other topics that you've talked about on these podcasts, I think one of the common denominators is we need more education. Because we yeah. don't understand what's going on, but nobody, but but that takes work, yeah, to educate yourself. You got to be yeah. willing to. Yeah, you have to want, yeah, to be open-minded to learn. Yep. Especially if you're going against societal norms or what you've been mm -hmm. taught growing up, or and it's interesting that you bring up like in elementary school. I I picture what that would look like, and I think of my own granddaughter who's in third grade in. You know, how would you approach that age to get them to understand what that... Because they know to come to you if they have a tummy ache or a headache mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. But when they're struggling and... So I guess, you know, you it's not just the kids so that they can verbalize how they're feeling, but also so that teachers can be open to that mm -hmm. communication and parents to be looking out for that. So much more education mm -hmm. that needs to be done. That's... Crazy. I never would have really thought about the elementary level, but it clearly needs to be. I mean, what, one of the areas that I think we're a little farther along in, you know, one of the mental challenges is the eating disorders. And we know that by having these women with these perfect bodies, the effect that that had on young women. Okay? So, so we knew that that can affect these kids. So if we see our kids looking at these magazines or, you know, we start to watch their diet, you know, that one is, it's not, it's not easier, but, you know, we talk about being able to see something. Right. You can see what somebody eats. Yeah. Or doesn't eat. So right. that one we can connect. Or the, the chemical use, you know, a lot of times, but not always, but we can see somebody stumbling home drunk you know if if their if their choice is alcohol we can sure. smell it we can see it um we, we can see their behaviors on that you know but that doesn't get to why they do it what's going on in here and and if we're not willing to understand it for me to stand on that bridge and say you know what my wife my kids my team everybody's better off without me if i jump the burden of me will be gone now Somebody say, like, why would you think that? I don't know. But to me, that was a real thought. Sure. Not all the time, but in that moment, it was. Okay? It wasn't a lot of other times, but I was really sick at that moment. That was real to me. Just like I can't understand how a woman that weighs 75 pounds can look in a mirror and think that she's overweight. Right. But to that person, that is a real thought. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to discount that. Like... <laughs> Come on, look at yourself. Right. I mean, because you're as big as my left arm. Right. You know? <laughs> because they are, yeah. and that's real to them. Yeah. So let's support them and get the help right. instead of being judgmental or why would you feel that way? You know, I, I laugh that why would a guy like me have depression, right? I've got a great family. Like, I got a nice roof over my head. I eat meals 
all that type of stuff. Why would you have be depressed? Well, because then it's not a choice, right? You know, and yet for other guys that maybe lost a job and can't pay the rent and all that type of stuff, you would look at it and say, "Man, that guy's depressed." What do we say to them? Suck it up, yeah. You know, pull yourself up, get out of this. Like you can't win. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it it's either way. People are are discounting it, and then it comes across as judgmental. So I just won't tell anybody. Because that way, I don't have to put up with their judgment of me. So it's just this whole cycle thing that we have to break. When I was developing these questions, you know, I was like looking at some statistics and, um, you know, trying to think of like what the audience wants to know. And it's, I think that's the wrong angle to look at it. It's like, what does somebody from that experience have to teach us, you know, mm-hmm. how can you help us better understand to be better helpers? You know, both Megan and I are in the healthcare field. Mm-hmm. Her more clinical, obviously, than than I am. But even like hearing some of these these terms, and I know like doing the depression screening is a big thing right now. And you're right, none of it has to do with anger. When athletes have concussions and then they become abusive their reaction to the concussions it's brain damage but would you treat the same thing if they were angry and abusive because of depression mm-hmm. you know because it's almost like well that's different this was caused to them well well they didn't bring depression on themselves either you know so it is really interesting how we treat men so differently and one of the first things my therapist told me when i started therapy um and I didn't like him for a while because he made me look at some things. But one of the first things he said to me, and I thought I was pretty good at the time, he said, you know, depression's not your problem. I'm like, told you, Linda. He's like, <laughs> depression's not your problem. The fact you don't take care of your depression, that's your problem. Wow. Right? I mean, like, being diabetic's not your problem. Yeah. The problem is you don't take care of your diabetes. Right. That's where you get in trouble. Sure. Big deal. You got depression. I mean, it is, but yeah. what are you going to do about it now? Right. Because we know it's there. Like and I said it, before, if you have cancer, I'm going to go in and look for treatments. Right. Like, I'm going to be active in that. Right. Well, we have to be active in our recovery from a mental illness, too. But right. it's not the illness. It's the fact, for me at least, it wasn't that I had depression. It's that I didn't take care of my depression. And I use that a lot because that was pretty deep. I didn't like a lot of stuff he said. Because I told him, it's a lot easier to blame the depression. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I got to be into accountable. That. A- absolutely. Well, hey, it's because I'm depressed. Yeah. Well, okay, but it doesn't give you a free pass. Right. You know, and, and I have that with coaches. You know, the fear is, is people are going to use their mental illness to get away with things. No, they're not. No, they're not. They might have some bad days. And again, what if they don't change? Well, then guess what? That's a choice they make. Yeah. If you have to get rid of them on your team because they're being bad teammates, that's fine. But as long as you've tried to address a problem. Okay. If, if you're ignoring the problem and just getting rid of them because you're going to label them, that's not fair to the kid. But if you say, hey, I think you need help, the kid realizes that, yep, I need help, but they're unwilling to get it, that's a choice they make. Sure. But if we don't have the conversation, they might not know that they have a choice. Right. You know, and, and, and I think about, you know, one of your questions was, 
you know, people of color. Just think about all the things that they've been told in their life. What type of narrative does that put in their head? You know, and you know, you're already labeled enough, right, as a person of color that mm -hmm. you have these, you know, we're gonna be afraid of this or that. Well, throw depression on top of that. So do you think they wanna get help? Because then people might know they also, you know, what's worse than a person of color? A person of color with mental illness. Like, right. You know, but again, that's, that's the stereotype of some groups. So yeah. we have to change that. But again, why don't they get help? Well, do they have insurance? Do they have resources? Can they get there? Are they available in their locations? I mean, it, it, it's tough enough for, I don't know without Linda, if I could have navigated it. Yeah. And I'm not that smart, but at least I like to think, it, it, but I do have some resources also. Yeah. You know, I had insurance and this and that. Privilege. You know, privilege, absolutely. Because a lot of, and right now in the mental health field, a lot of them are like, I don't want to mess with insurance. So you can come see me, but it's 150 bucks a time. Not everybody can pay that. Right. We're, we're denying that help that, you know, like we talked about before, we got to put more resources into that. Yeah, and you bring up a point, with, you know, with people of color and different cultures even. I, I look at Minneapolis and how diverse this city is and try to be mindful when I'm thinking about different issues that affect our communities what the culture has taught people about like growing up Scandinavian well you know how well the emotions went there you know you just didn't have emotions period the end no one ever yep. cried laughed smiled yep. it's just that you're you're good so and even on my German side same same thing it was just like just very you didn't address those things and I think as a person, you know, as a white person of privilege, it's easy to miss those different cultural differences. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think, well, yeah, and I know how to get mental health services. I would know how to direct somebody. But would somebody who's coming to this country, you know, as an immigrant, or maybe in some, maybe in some, some cultures, cultures they don't even have a term for depression. So how do you communicate that? How do you get resources to those people and help them understand what's going on with them? Because as far as I know, every single person could be affected by mental illness. You know, I don't think it's a white person thing or a poor person thing or any other stereotype. So there's a lot to be done. I mean, that's all I can say is there's so much more to be done to bring more awareness to this. And we have to, or we're going to continue losing lives unnecessarily. And, and, and I really learned that through this process. Uh, mental illness does not discriminate. Right. Young, old, rich, poor, male, female, white, black, doesn't matter. Nobody's immune to this. Right. Um, and we have to have that. And, and again, people are coming from cultures where we don't talk about it. Right. You know, like back, back then, well, you got institutionalized. Because sure. Of, so again, you know, what is the cultural stuff? Like you talk about, you know, there's cultural differences. How can you tell if somebody's looking? Uh, how can you tell if somebody's listening? They look in the eyes. Well, if you're Scandinavian, you look at their feet. You know, right. like, <laughs> right. you, you know, but, you it's know, so true. But, but, but there are these differences. Yeah. And if we don't talk about them, you right. know, I have a grandma that died by suicide when I was three. We didn't talk about it. 
okay? And again, this nothing against my parents, but that was a society thing, right. you know? Um, it wasn't until my 40s that I really found out. Now, again, I didn't dig a lot, but we didn't talk about it, sure. you know? We, we, we don't talk about these things, and that sends a message yeah. because we don't talk about things that maybe would be considered bad. Or you know, uncomfortable. Or uncomfortable in that. And we have to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And we have to have these to let people know that, you know, yes, there are cultural differences. And I want to be sensitive to that when I help somebody, you know, because there can also be um, faith differences and those types of things, okay? Um, but again, then I have to learn more about that. You know, what is the cultural difference with this group if I want to help them in the mental health area so I can maybe help change some of that? You know, mm-hmm. and, and and understand, and and not not push my stuff on them because you're right. Like I come from this white privilege, like I can't push that on them. I can try to learn more about theirs, so I can better help support them. And you know, that's where we have to to look out for each other because there are all of those, and we want to take those into consideration. But at the end of the day, because I don't know about that culture, I'm just not going to take time to learn about it, and that's not going to solve the problem. That's only going to make it worse because I already have my own sets of thoughts and judgments and stuff like that. So I will rely on those. Sure. And that's going to be detrimental to that conversation with that group of people. So, you know, it's up to all of us to to be open to this type of conversation, um, to hear about these types of things and to ask questions. And, and it's okay to ask questions, you know, because... That, that's how we learn. I, I think it's very important to continue to ask questions. And like Megan said, I'm sure we'll have a million follow-up questions. Before I give you the chance to offer any closing thoughts, I want to ask you <clears throat> what advice you would give to somebody who's listening right now who feels like you've hit a spot for them or they, they aren't sure where to go or how to reach out. What can we tell our listeners that they can do right now to get the help that they need? What would be the first step? Um, boy, tough. Um, depend upon where they're at. Where they're at, they can talk to somebody else. Ask for that help. Okay, let somebody know they're not in a good spot. You know, where they go from there kind of depends on their community and what their beliefs are. Maybe they want to go to a faith-based community and start the conversation there. Maybe they want to go to their primary um, caregiver, you know, their their, their primary um, medical spot. Talk to them. Maybe they want to call a counseling center and talk to them. But the point is, depending upon where you're at, if, if you can do that, do it. You know, reach out. There's... You know, if you're in a crisis situation, there's crisis lines. You can text, you can call to reach out. Um, But reach out to somebody else. You know, you don't have to go through this alone. You know, one of the things, and I touched on that before, and and I heard this great example, um, it was actually from the the guys at Face It, that, um, because I would hear this a lot. Um, You know, I remember once specifically talking to a college volleyball player she was really struggling. I said, you know, have you talked to your roommates about it? They were all on a team. No. Why not? Oh, I don't want to bother them. Because they, we got midterms this week, and we got a big match coming up this week, and I just don't want to bother them right now. I said, okay, I get that, right? What if one of your teammates came to you right now and said they were feeling the way you feel? Would you help them out? Oh, absolutely. Oh, you don't have midterms this week? Well, yeah. You're not playing in the match? Oh, yeah, but I'd really help them out. Okay. 
Why can't it go the other way? You know, because if you've ever helped somebody else out, how does that make you feel? We feel good when we yeah. help somebody out. Okay? Sure. So if I'm in a bad spot and I don't ask you for help, I'm denying you the chance to feel good about yourself. That's pretty selfish of me, right? Because you will help me and you'll yeah. feel better, but it'll also help me. So that's a win-win. So we're not being a burden to that other person when we ask them. We're actually allowing them to feel good that they could do something to help us. And that's the way we have to look at it. So reach out to somebody else if, you, if you're in that really bad spot. Um, you don't have to get through this alone. But there are services out there, you know, like NAMI is a good source, you know, the National Association for Mental Illness. Um, there's a Minneapolis chapter. Um, you know, if it's a male, the Face It organization. Um, but, but there's a bunch of stuff out there. You know, when I, when I give my talks, I always give my number out and say, if you don't have anybody, if you feel like you don't have anybody you can talk to, now you do. You can call me because I can't fix it, but I can help you because it's a tough thing to navigate if you're not in a good spot. Um, 2022, I thought it was going to be earlier. If you have an emergency right now, what can you dial? 911. If you have a mental health crisis, you're going to be able to, to, to dial 988. You know, so there'll be a three-digit code that'll go right to mental health issues. You know, so that's a positive thing. Yeah, it's they're working on it now, and it's. I just looked it up because I heard it was coming out, and it's supposed to be in uh, 2022, I think. Wow. Yeah, but, but again, just to make it easier so for people needed. because it is so like, what's the number to the fire station? I don't know. So I call 911. What's the number to the police? I, I don't know. What's the number for the mental health? Well, you call 911, but as we they're know, they're not equipped. They're not trained for that. So. No. You know, who's trained for this? This. You know, there's text for life. There's all that type of stuff. But this is a real simple, I have the text for life written down. I don't know, but I can remember 988. Right. So so th th those are positive things coming. But, you know, reach out to other people. You don't have to go through this yourself would be my advice on that. Very sound advice and new information I did, was not aware of. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, do you have any closing remarks that you would like to share or thoughts? Uh, the, the only thing I would say right now is this is obviously a really tough time, this pandemic going on with between the pandemic, um, the political divisiveness, the social unrest. Um, this is ha I haven't talked to anybody that this hasn't had an effect on, okay, that you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that people are suffering from depression or anxiety, but they're feeling depressed and anxious. Yeah. Okay? And, and they're having those signs and symptoms. So, number one, look out for one another. You know, be kind to one another and be kind to yourself. But we have to have a little compassion on ourselves that these times are tough, they're difficult, don't beat yourselves up, okay? and just try to take care of each other and, and be kind to one another. Well, thank you. Thank you. Mark talks about the group Face It. For more information on Face It, go to faceitfoundation.org or 651-200-4297. For mental health crisis resources, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 
1-800-273-TALK. 1-800-273-8255. There is also a crisis text line available for free 24 hours a day, 7 days a week by texting MN to 741741. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Help Me Understand.